0: The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 18th chapter. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Alex, I couldn't tell, was your birthday in January? Yeah, Yeah. I don't know if you saw, Alex was standing up with both his hands during the children's sermon. January! If you come back on your birthday, we'll sing happy birthday to you, okay? Great. If you were here last week, uh, you heard me talk about how in transitional moments of the year, I always think it's... um, helpful to talk about some core basics of our faith, and I want to continue to do that uh, this week, and the gospel reading that Naomi read for us is a great opportunity to do that for a couple reasons. Uh, First, the style of teaching. It's a parable, and that was the core, fundamental, basic way that Jesus taught. And the subject of the parable is also basic to our faith. It's about Um, for forgiveness. And so uh, I want to visit that topic today. Uh, What's happened before today's reading is there's been some discussion with the uh, disciples about what they should do if people sin against them. And so Peter wants to extend that conversation today, and he says to Jesus, well, and it's a little bit of spiritual chest-thumping, I think, with Peter. He's showing off a little bit. He says to Jesus, well, now, Jesus, if someone sins against me, how many times should I forgive him? Say, I don't know, seven times? I think assuming that that Jesus will say, well, no, my gosh, that's way too many, Peter. What makes you think about seven? And instead, Jesus responds very famously, no, Peter, not seven, but 77. Or in some translations, it's a little unclear. It's seven times 70. In either case, the point to Peter is, Peter, you're not even in the right ballpark. Seven sounds like a lot to you, but that's not nearly as many times as you should forgive. You should forgive a whole lot more times than that. And then Jesus tells this very famous parable, which again we heard Naomi read for us, and it's about a master, a king, and a servant. Uh, The master is calling all of his servants to account for what they owe him. This particular servant that's the subject of the parable owes 10,000 talents. Now, uh, currency exchange between us and the ancient world is always a little tricky, but one talent was about what an average laborer would have gotten for about 15 years of work. And he owes him 10,000 talents. So we're talking about probably in the order of billions of dollars. It's an extraordinary, unbelievable, crazy amount of money, right? And so the king, the the master calls the servant, the servant begs for forgiveness, and lo and behold, the king forgives him the debt, and then it says he releases him, he frees him. Then the servant goes off and he meets someone who owes him, the the former servant now, a far more trivial amount of money, a 100 denarius, which is maybe two or three months' worth of pay, and this servant who has just been forgiven a massive debt is unwilling, in the same way, to forgive this person who owes him a much smaller amount. The other servants who he used to work with hear about it, they tell the king, the king, the master, takes him back and says, I'm going to punish you until you can pay this debt off, which basically means never. I mean, he's never going to be able to pay it off. Now, I am actually not a big fan. We've talked about parables before here. I'm not a big fan of saying the meaning of this parable is... Because part of the uh, way parables work is they sort of evoke our imagination, and there are usually uh, lots of ways we can uh, think about them, and the the meanings are sort of deep. However, as Jesus' parables go, this one is honestly pretty straightforward. It basically is reminding us, the God who loves us has forgiven us in an extravagant, amazing uh, way, and so we also should go out and forgive others. Now, having said that, I want to talk about a couple of things that sort of give us a little maybe more insight into this parable, and I want to focus at first on that opening, the seven times 70 or the 77, and then the parable itself. I want to say something about it. Last week, if you were here, you remember the basic of our faith that we talked about was um, original sin. Uh, I mentioned that in the Christian tradition, we talk about that in a narrative way through the story of Adam and Eve. And uh, believe it or not, there is a very direct connection between Adam and Eve and that story and the uh, introduction to this parable in, in Matthew. So Bible quiz for today. Does anyone remember who the children of Adam and Eve were? Thank you. Cain and Abel. Um, does anyone remember what happened to them? <laughs> Laughter. Um, Uh, They were brothers, of course, so you can imagine what happened, only in their case it went a little uh, worse than usual. Uh, We have boys, I sort of understand this. But um, (laughs) Cain uh, is the older of the two, and God favors Abel for some reason, and Cain gets jealous, so Cain takes Abel out to a field and kills him. And um, Cain feels terrible about it afterwards. God also is not very happy and uh, says he's going to punish Cain, And Cain is worried that he, the one who committed a murder, is now also going to be murdered. And God, in the conversation in which he's punishing Cain, says, No, it will not be so. I'm going to put a mark on you. The mark of Cain. We're not really quite sure what that was. But the mark of Cain to protect you from someone murdering you. And here's what God says to Cain in that conversation. And again, this is right after the story of Adam and Eve. It's in the fourth chapter of the very first book of the Bible, so very early. Um, God says, um, no, you will not be murdered, Cain. Whoever kills you will suffer a sevenfold vengeance. Does that sound familiar? Sevenfold. Now you go just a few verses later, but quite a few generations in, in the um, Descendants of Cain, you get to one of his great-great-grandsons, a guy named Lamech. Uh, And remember, if someone would have killed Cain, God says that there will be a sevenfold vengeance on that person. Now you get to Lamech, who's bragging about uh, someone he has murdered. And here's how he brags. He says to his family, I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. And then he says this, if Cain is avenged sevenfold, truly I, Lamech, am avenged seventy-sevenfold. Same numbers, right? If you know anything about cumulative interest, what you see here is the way that this sin that starts with Adam and Eve continues to grow because people are holding on to their grievances, onto their uh, anger, onto their spite, and it just escalates. So part of what Jesus is saying in that introduction to the parable today is, hey, Peter, the world has been in a lot of trouble since Adam and Eve, and things got worse really quickly, and they continue to get worse. Part of our job is to push against that, and one of the ways we try to undo some of that pain is by letting go of our anger, our resentment, um, and, and forgiving people. Not once or twice, not 70, not seven times, but 77 or seven times, seven times. So it becomes a bookend, his little introduction becomes a bookend to that story uh, in Genesis. Okay, so that's the first sort of thing you might want to hang something on related to this, this parable. The other one, and I've already said this, but I'm going to lift this up a little more explicitly, um, came up in uh, a a prayer practice. Every Thursday at 11 o'clock, Pastor Valerie leads a group of people, all of you are welcome to come to this, Um, they practice a form of prayer called Lexio Divina, and it's based on reading a uh, passage from the, the Bible, and the passage I think they choose pretty much every week is the Gospel for the following Sunday. And uh, Valerie came to my office uh, not long after they had done this uh, exercise, and shared with me that in Lexio this past week, this was one of the things that bubbled up from one person in particular upon reflecting on this this uh, parable. And she reflected that uh, this servant, again, remember, he owed a huge debt. He begged for the mercy of the king, and the king not only forgave the debt, but released the servant. The servant was free. And then what happens? The servant goes off and he, the servant, doesn't forgive a far more negligible debt and it is that action, his unwillingness to forgive, which enslaves him again. And this is this sort of deep um, existential psychological truth, I think, that part, part of what this parable is trying to say is Uh, We tend to think that forgiveness is about being kind to someone who's harmed us. I think it's far more true to say forgiving someone else is about being kind ultimately to who? To us. It frees us. And to the degree we are not willing to forgive, we are bound. We are slaves. And by the way, we pray about this every week when we gather for worship in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If we, uh, sometimes we think, well, this is kind of a quid pro quo, a deal with God. If I forgive other people, God, then you will forgive me. That's not a helpful or good way to think about it. God is always willing to forgive us, always. The question are, is, are we willing to receive that forgiveness uh, and be freed? And the only way that we can receive forgiveness from God is by letting go of the grief and the pain and the anger that we have towards others and releasing it so that we also can be forgiven. Okay? So again, those are a couple of of additional thoughts about this parable. Now, you may very well say, Tim, fine, interesting how it's a bookend with a story in Genesis, and yes, I understand that I will be better off and emotionally more healthy if I can, can forgive people, but how do I do it? How do I forgive? Because it isn't easy. And my response to that would be, first of all, you don't forgive on your own. It's not as if you come to church on a September Sunday and you go back home and you make your list of things and say, let's see, what do I have to do today? Uh, grocery shop, watch the Vikings. Oh yeah, forgive, check mark done. It's a little more complicated than that. I'm not being flip about this, especially if people have really injured us, right? It is hard to forgive. So we cannot, I do not believe we can do it on our own. I believe we can only do it with God's help. And on this front, I'm always reminded of a story that someone named Philip Yancey, Jared, I actually was chatting about this with someone in my office uh, this week. Philip Yancey actually spoke at the Faith and Life series a long time ago. Does anyone know the name Philip Yancey? He's a very well-known Christian author. And his topic was prayer. He was talking about prayer. Um, and at the end of his talk, it was a thoughtful, great uh, presentation. Someone got up to the mic in the Q&A and said, okay, Mr. Yancey, this is all well and good. You know, thank you for your beautiful words. But tell me this. Does it work? Does prayer work? And the answer to that question was a story that Philip Yancey told about himself and about forgiveness. And what he said is, once upon a time, someone hurt me really badly. And Yancey lives in Colorado. He has a practice of going on a walk every day where he prays. And so he said, and so I would go out on my walk and I would pray for the people in my life. I'd pray for all the things that were easy. And then I would be like, God, I know I'm supposed to forgive this guy, but it is really hard. I'm not sure I even want to forgive him. Um, And so that was the beginning of the prayer. And then over time, the prayer would move to, well, maybe I can see a way to how I should forgive him, but God, I, I still don't have the strength. Will you help me to forgive him? And prayer continued to go on this way for a long time until one day, this is the way Yancey said it. He said he discovered he no longer had to pray that prayer he realized he had, with God's help, forgiven that individual for the wrong he had done on him. He didn't do it by himself. He did it with God. But once he no longer had to pray that prayer, he recognized and realized that he had been what? Freed from the burden of that pain. It seems to me that's an appropriate thing for us to pray for as well. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, we come here every week trusting and believing that you want to forgive us. Today, help us to have the strength and the courage and the will, with your help, to forgive those who have harmed us, so that we can more fully accept the forgiveness you offer us. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.